Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindfulness Monday, June 22nd. I'm so happy to be here with all of you again today. As many of you know who tune in every Monday for Mindfulness Monday, I mentioned last week that we are finding ourselves transitioning out of almost three months, yes, three months in stay-at-home isolation. And slowly, mindfully, and with caution, we are easing ourselves back out into the world. As we've noticed, more businesses are opening up and each of us in our own way is finding our own comfort level with what is being called the new normal. For those of you who have tuned into my previous Mondays, you've heard me say that I consider this time we are facing with the coronavirus pandemic and most recently the Black Lives Matter movement that happened after the brutal murder of George Floyd. This is a profound time for personal transformation, which is why I have been calling it the Great Awakening. We have a major opportunity to change ourselves in ways we have never changed ourselves before, mind, body, and spirit. This is a time to heal mind, body, and spirit, which brings me to my very special guest for today, Dr. Alejandro Junger. For those of you who aren't familiar with Dr. Alejandro, and his revolutionary approach to healing ourselves, let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Alejandro Younger is a cardiologist, founder of the CLEAN program, and a New York Times best-selling author. He graduated from medical school in his home country of Uruguay, and then moved to New York City for his postgraduate training in internal medicine at New York University and fellowship at Lenox Hill Hospital. The drastic change in lifestyle and diet resulting from his move to New York City soon showed up as irritable bowel syndrome and depression. Becoming a patient of the system he was practicing was such a shock that it started his journey in search of an alternative solution to his health problems. His findings are the subject matter of his New York Times bestselling books, Clean, Clean Gut, Clean Eats, and Clean Seven, all of which are a manual for readers to learn how to turn on and work with their own detoxification systems to restore and maintain optimal health. After his medical training, Alejandro studied Eastern medicine in India. He has been called the father of detox and his clean program is followed by people worldwide, including dignitaries, A-list celebrities and media personalities. He is frequently interviewed in the press for his detox expertise and has been featured on major national shows, including Dr. Oz, Martha Stewart and ABC News. I am so excited to have Dr. Junger as my guest today. Welcome, Alejandro. Thank you for having me. Such a such a pleasure to to um, to be with you. Um, yes. Really we awesome. share we share we share people in common yes. that we love. Yes. yes. So that make that makes me extra excited. I know, yes. You know, Alejandro, there is so much that I want to talk to you about, and I hope we can get it all in in this hour that we have together. I do, I do, I do want to correct your introduction for one minute. Yes, please. Because it was, it was really generous, but first, I am not the father of detox. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, detox, detox really is something that has existed for thousands of years, you know? And, and, um, and the principles that I use for my first book, Clean, are all principles that are taught in the, in the Institute for Functional Medicine. So if anybody is the father of detox in that way, 
is Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who is the father of functional medicine, right? And, yeah. and, uh, and, I, just, and I just talk about these things in a way that um, reaches more people, right? right. And, and, and the second correction, <laughs> the, the second correction is that um, I am not a, a doctor of detoxification. Detoxification is one of the tools that I use, right? In right. fact, not, not, not all my books about, are about detox. The, my book clean gut is about repairing the 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 gut and how gut damage is at the root of so many chronic problems of of today that are pandemics today so so th there are subtle there are subtle corrections but yeah. um but i i do i do much more than detox of right of course detox is just one of the tools that right. i use detox to me and we'll go into the questions that i have for you detox for me uh, covers a lot of territory you know detox of the mind the body and the spirit do you know and i think that you know that's very humble and generous of you to say that you are not the father of detox um, although that has been written about you, so I respect that. But I do think of detox, and your books cover it. And that's what I want to say to you to start off. I got your book, Alejandra, when it first came out. And, you know, it was much more than I thought it was going to be for that very reason, because it really covered a wide range of areas in which we can detox, you know, release the toxicity that we harbor in the body, the mind, and the spirit. So let me, let me just start with my first question for you. Your story about becoming a cardiologist, and you share this in your book, Clean, about you, your story, which I found very interesting, and what you experienced in your internship and residency in New York, which is that you got very, very sick because you were neglecting your own health, um, really underscores how disconnected the mind-body-spirit connection is in teaching Western medicine to young doctors or missing from the medical school curriculum, as you say, those are your words, that it was missing from your medical school curriculum. It seems to me that had you not gone through your own personal health crisis, you might not have become the doctor that you are today, which is an integrative one. And you've created your own integrative category called open-minded medicine. Talk to us about why Western medicine, even today, doesn't integrate Eastern or holistic medicine as much as it could into both its teaching and practice. Why are they so separate? Well, you talk about they as 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 you know, medical schools and doctors are a different category of of humans, right? But but Western medicine is just one more expression of the state of consciousness in which we are at at this moment in evolution of humanity. So so yeah, that that expresses itself as a. Uh, as a system of medicine that's Newtonian, Cartesian, in which matter and everything else are separated. It, the only valuable things are the things that you can measure and, and, and see and observe um, and, and double blind placebo study control and prove and be able to repeat, right? So, but, but, but all the endeavors of humanity are also permeated with this consciousness, with this se separation consciousness. So you see it in psychology, you see it in, in, you see it in the gyms. People are just uh, uh, worried about, about their physical appearance and the, and, you know, and, the, and, the, and the leanness of their body. You see it in, in, in every single expression of humanity mm. because that's where we are at, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, now, that's where the mass is at. But there's, there's, there's people around the world that are at different levels of consciousness. There's people in, in, within us that are at different levels of consciousness and are more present or more enlightened or whatever you want to call it. And those are the people that we, we see and we are attracted to for some reason. Sometimes we don't understand. We call it, oh my God, they have incredible presence or or you know they make me happy or they calm me down or whatever it is right mm -hmm. so so that is simple 
a simple explanation of why medicine is at that point, because the medicine is created by humans that are at, at that level of consciousness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it seems to me that medicine, you know, in its earliest um, evolution was very geared towards the mind-body connection, when we didn't have all of the technology. And, and mind you, this isn't in any way undermining the significance and the importance of Western medicine. I mean, Western medicine saves lives. Western medicine has extraordinary healing modalities. I understand that. But the understanding of, of more of the Eastern, if you will, or holistic approaches or integrative approaches to medicine, to me, feel all inclusive of the mind-body connection. And, so, and what so powerful role that that plays. Many years ago, um, the the doctor, the priest, um, you know, would be the same person. Even the lawyer, you know, would be the same person. Um, but at some point, we started this mania of specialization, mm -hmm. and and the point in which Western medicine medicine took off is where where science really started uh, uh, getting to the nitty gritty, and and you know discovered the atoms and then and then and then that's where we split and the mind and the spirit were 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 left on 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 you know one side and then science took off on the other side but for thousands of years um mind body and spirit was considered and and actually um that's how eastern medicine still functions right the wholeness of the entire being we, we are a whole organism, do you know, mind, body, spirit, you know, and again, going back to your particular journey, you know, I always, you know, as a, as a mindfulness practitioner myself, you know, I'm very aware of the whole idea of heal the healer, do you know, had you not again gone on your own trajectory, you know, by necessity where you had to heal, you had a better understanding of how the healer can heal. Do you know the well, way? It's, a, it's the, the classic uh, example of the wounded healer, right? Right. Uh, and, and if you see, if you take a look at, uh, around, you see that many really effective ways of doing things, not only in the healing world, are brought up by people that needed to find it for their own sake or, their, or, or, or a loved one. Yes. Right? People that go in this quest, you know, they have a daughter that has certain type of cancer and they they do not accept whatever is told to them so they take off and maybe they're not even doctors they take you know they a, a gardener and they, they they find incredible things and and um and they come up with solutions that then work for so many people absolutely that changed the trajectory of my life my sister my eldest one of my eldest sisters uh became mentally ill and was diagnosed with schizophrenia and manic depression and her illness brought, put me on a whole different trajectory to find about to find out about the workings of the mind, which is what really spearheaded my work. Had that not been for her illness, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And your love for her. My love for her is profound. And I say she was my greatest teacher. Do you know? She, you know, her her time this time around was she was a true bodhisattva. You know, she she came here to do what she needed to do, and then she she left. Her path was very arduous, very painful, very difficult. But as a result, it helped me. She gave me the greatest gift, which was to help me understand my purpose. Do you know? So it's interesting, as you say, the way in which we affect each other's lives is the very thing that ignites us, that can be the catalyst that puts us on our journey. Do you know? So I completely agree with you with that. Um, let me ask you, Alejandra, you say that the power to heal lies somewhere very close. I'm quoting from your book, Clean. That we already have the power to heal and don't need prescriptions, treatments, or expensive experts to get it. And that we are, in fact, as you say, sitting right on top of it. However, we are in one of the most challenging times we have ever been in our lifetime. We are dealing with this novel virus, COVID-19, and it's already taken the lives of what, over 100,000 people, I believe, I don't know the exact statistic, worldwide. Depression is at an all-time high, and I worry about suicide rates spiking. 
as I'm sure you do. The opioids crisis is staggering. And what that tells us is that people feel very afraid, out of control, and want to numb out or check out. What can you tell us, Alejandra, about using our inherent power to heal at one of the most challenging times we've ever experienced thus far? It can be a little misguiding to say the, the body has the power to heal and we, and we don't need doctors. And, because the body has the knowledge, the ability to heal, provided that the circumstances and the conditions are, are optimal. For example, everything in the body, if you break down every organ, you know, every cell, in the end, you can, you can reduce thinking about the body in terms of molecules, right? So basically molecule A joins molecule B to form molecule C, right? Or atom A joins atom B and they form a molecule, right? Now, if atom A is not there, then it cannot join B and form C, C being a function, right? So, so um, the lack of A will prevent things from working optimally and in, in, in the functions being fulfilled. Where the, does A come from in every single molecule in the, in the body? From your diet, so, so from, your, from food. So if, you don't, if you're not intaking the A, then there's going to be a dysfunction because B has to join A in order to, to, to fulfill its function. Now, there are many nutrients that we don't, don't consume these days. You know, where everybody talks about magnesium and, and, and B vitamins. And so there's so many nutrients that we're lacking in our body right. that, 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 that we need in order to function optimally. And, and, and that is because our soils are depleted, the monoculture practices in which plants really suck up the, 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 the nutrients. You know, usually you find biodiversity, you don't find monoculture thing. You don't go to, you don't go to a natural place and you see only one type of tree or one type of a, you know, animal. It's, all, it's always lots of animals and lots of, and, and they all compensate and they all give each other something. But when you, when you desecrate a piece of land and you just plant one type, let's say you plant just corn, you know, you, the corn is, is just sucking a certain nutrient and it will deplete the, the soil. So, so, um, so the fact that our soils and our plants are not bringing us the, 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 all the nutrients and also the fact that our intestines are damaged for the most part, everybody to different degrees is walking around with a damaged intestine that is not absorbing, ends up creating a lack of things that are needed in the body. The second thing is that if there is an obstacle that prevents B from joining A, mm -hmm. th that also is going to prevent the function from being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the obstacles these days? Mucus, heavy metals, other toxins that we consume, that we breathe, that we drink, that we shower with and end up in our, in our bloodstreams, the medications we use, the cosmetics we apply on ourselves, the, the, the cleaning products we, we clean our homes and our clothes with, but mostly the foods that we eat are loaded with chemicals that alone or in combination cause some kind of dysfunction. Many times the dysfunction they cause is that they block certain reactions. Right. So when you remove the obstacles and provide whatever is lacking, everything corrects by itself because the force of nature, the, for, the, the, the intelligence that is governing every molecule in your body is trying to do that. It's trying to join A and B to form C. It's always trying. Mm -hmm. That's the, right? But it can't if A is not there or if B is blocked. So when you remove the obstacles and you add whatever is lacking, everything corrects by itself and healing happens. Mm -hmm. but, but in the conditions that we live today, it's not easy to do that because, you know, 
foods are depleted our bodies are 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 exhausted and and uh, and our different functions and detoxification being just one of them cannot be fulfilled completely so then what happens once the body cannot do something then it's going to try plan b the the the, the most immediate a similar thing, right? So for example, if there's not enough glucose, plan B is using ketone bodies. That's a way in which the body adapts itself and survives, which is the only thing the body knows how to do, adapt and survive. So when the A is not there, it is not coming through, through your diet, the body will find it. Like for example, if you're not eating enough calcium, and the, you know, all your nerves need calcium, your brain needs calcium, your heart needs calcium, everything that contracts, everything that transmits information needs calcium. Mm. And anything that's electrical, and everything is electrical in the body. So calcium is needed not only for the bones, it's needed for every electrical process in the body, nervous, digestion, whatever you want. Every process in the body has electricity involved mm -hmm. and therefore calcium is needed. Mm -hmm. So if calcium is not available in your diet, your body will look for it. Where will it look for it? In the bones. So will it start extracting, you know, the, 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 the calcium from the bones leading to osteoporosis, right? Mm -hmm. But at least all the nervous functions are being covered Right. And the body says, OK, what do I prefer to have brittle bones or the heart to stop? Obviously, the heart has to go on. So it, 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 it sacrifices its bones in order to survive. And that is the way that we are functioning in the world today. So many functions that we have in the body cannot be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. For example, the detoxification function. So you need to start creating the conditions in which everything that is lacking is provided and most or all the obstacles that are there are removed. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So, so true. So powerful. You know, it makes me think that, the, you know, yes, of course, isn't it true that the body's natural stasis is to heal? The body is an incredible machine. It's saying... It's the only, it's the only thing that the body knows how to do. And I'll give you an example so that this you'll never forget. We are here in America at a time where cardiovascular disease is the biggest killer for men and women, right? Now, a big part of it, there's many types of cardiovascular diseases. There's valvular disease, there's heart rhythm diseases, there's many, but one of the biggest killers is when the artery is blocked with, with plaque, you know, the, the, the um, and I, and I, I have a heart there. I don't know if you see. It. Me too. I see but, it. <laughs> so yes. when the, when the, when the artery, which is like a like a hose, like a tube, is blocked, then you you have a heart attack, right? Now, how does it get blocked? First, there's a plaque of cholesterol, right? And then the plaque kind of breaks and cre creates a blood clot that stops blood from flowing and gives you a heart attack. Now, the plaque of cholesterol is what we refer to as coronary artery disease. Coronary artery disease is the depositing of plaque in the artery, but is it a disease or is it a survival mechanism? And this is what happens mm -hmm. because people smoke, because people have high blood pressure, because people ha have a, a, a irritant molecules in their, in their you know, toxins in their blood. Eventually the artery starts getting little fissures, starts getting corroded like a, like a like a, a hose would if you if you uh, scratch it for years and years right and the body very wisely says okay let's patch it up so it puts a little bit of cholesterol in it right now generally in nature insults come and go so the body's always thinking okay i'll patch it up and then it'll heal underneath and then the patch can be reabsorbed the cholesterol can be reabsorbed right and that's what actually happens if the insult goes away. But mm. the insult in our life is constant. Mm. The people that smoke are constantly smoking. The people that have high blood pressure have high blood pressure all the time. So the, bo the body keeps depositing plaque, depositing plaque. Eventually, that plaque deposit, which is a survival mechanism, ends up being too big and blocking the, the flow of, of, of blood. And that we call coronary artery disease mm -hmm. so 
but what it is, it's a survival mechanism that, that went on for too long. Mm. And, though, and that is the way in which you can think of every chronic disease of, of today. Mm-hmm. It is really a way in which the body is trying to survive, given the circumstances in which is in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me how so many people wait till the body is just saying, I, you know, I've hit a wall. I can't, I can't help you much more. You gotta, you know, you gotta help yourself at this point to help me, this incredible vehicle that we are living in, you know, this temple that we are inhabiting that so many people wait. You know, or I, 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 I compare it to renting, right? When you rent a house, you have to kind of take care of it, right? Because if you don't take care of it, you're going to have to pay for repairs or you're going to be evicted, right? right. And, and, and this body is in a way kind of like a house that we rent for our passage through this lifetime, right? right. And, and, and we don't take care of it. And when the bill comes or the eviction notice comes, that's when, that's when people get scared and start doing something. I love that. That's such a great analogy. Do you know, I mean, it, again, it's like, and, and this always really circles back to me. I mean, I'm a mindfulness practitioner is about heightening our awareness, which raises our consciousness, you know, to have the awareness of what we are doing daily so that we have an awareness of that this in fact is the house that we're renting This is the vehicle that we're inhabiting. This is the temple that is the gift. You know, that we are are aware of what we are putting into our bodies daily and how we are taking care of it. I think that's why mindfulness for me is the practice of being present, the practice of being aware of these things so that you can really start to bring in food that is- Aura, your, your practice is the most important practice. It's more important than doctors. It's more important than, than anybody. I'll tell you why. Because the moment that you become fully present, you don't need to learn about nutrition and, 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 and yoga and, and meditation. And you don't need to learn anything. Because being present, when you're fully present, all this knowledge or all this, you know, it just comes naturally. You, you know, a, a, a lion in the jungle doesn't need to go to lion school to know what they, what they have to eat. They see it, they smell it, and they go for it, you know? And we are equipped with the same uh, abilities, even, even further, but we complicate them because we study and study and study and study. And, and studying too much is also part of the disease because the people are, we live in our heads, right? And yeah. in our heads, we, that's how we forget over our bodies, right? But when, but when you, when you become, a, 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 when you become fully present, yes, and without knowing anything, you smell something and you know it's not good for you. It's it's simple wisdom. We complicate it. I call it simple wisdom. Do you know? And why we have a tendency and a proclivity to complicate. You know, maybe it's the it's the monkey mind, as I know you because know. We, be, because we can. Because we can, and because we have, because we have disconnected ourselves from nature, and that led to living in in our heads. Yes, absolutely. You know, and without going too far into personality types, disorders, addiction, etc., which you know I know is is got a lot of things to talk about. But I but I have always felt somebody before I even became aware that I that mindfulness and being present was what I wanted to follow as my path is that I remember like I didn't feel good. I would have friends that, you know, would, you know, drink till they had the worst hangover the next day, you know, and I would say, but that feels so horrible. Why would you want to go back for more? You know, this understanding of recognizing what feels good in the body and what doesn't feel good in the body. And yet, unfortunately, <laughs> I see your beautiful daughter there. Um, yeah, look, 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 this is, <laughs> this. Oh, look at those, look at those beautiful cheeks. The, uh, get lost, get lost. <laughs> that, you know, the understanding of, and I think this does, and it's not where I'm intending to go within the area, again, of compulsivity and addiction, that I guess that's when I recognized that I didn't have an addictive, addictive personality, that what didn't feel good 
no longer wanted me to want to do it again. And for many people that for whatever reasons, maybe because they need to numb out, they're willing to feel horrible that in their mind to feel better. <laughs> you know, that doesn't, well, that's logical. Not, uh, well, the thing is not that simple because what, what happens is when you are drunk, you lose your inhibition, you, you feel like you're connecting better, you know? Yeah. So, so they're paying a price for that experience. You know? Right, or anything really that doesn't, doesn't feel good in the body and you have to weigh out, you know, is, is feeling bad commensurate to the, the perks or the, you know, the little uh, whatever payoffs that you feel. I ask myself that question every day. Last night, I was, I, I was like craving a piece of bread and, and cheese. And, uh, and, and I went for there, it. The doctor and, is real and human and has designed we do. And I, I went for it. And this morning, I'm paying the price. I, I don't feel as good as every morning, you know? And, uh, right. and but, 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 of course, I had, I had a, a, a gain, which was the enjoying of, of, of that munching of this crunchy bread and this incredible Swiss cheese. You know? and, and then this morning, I, 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 you know, I feel the bloating and the puffiness and, the, and, I, and I pay the price. And you know what? Sometimes I do it anyway. <laughs> but Alejandro, thank you for that share. Because, I mean, I've been everything. I've been a vegan. I've been a vegetarian. I am a vegetarian. I've, I've been a macrobiotic, uh, you know, I've, I've and I do believe that anything that is excessive, even on that end, and one becomes too militant or too rigid, um, I love that you're sharing that because I've always said that if my body tells me it wants something, I, and I feel that it's reasonable and not to deny it of its pleasure, but to be very discerning about what that is. And if one does consume something that is a little out of the ordinary of one's healthy diet, then you return back to your regiment again. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and then and then beat ourselves up. <laughs> and then there's the danger. There's the danger of the extremes. You know, I have I know this person. She knows more than uh, about healthy nutrition than me ten times, probably more than than any nutritionist I met. I mean, this this woman has studied everything, and she's militant about it. She's fanatic and obsessed about it. But and you look at her and she doesn't look good. And not only that, she goes to every house and she looks at you with, with the judgment eye when you're having something that's not healthy. And then she jumps on explaining. To, so she's not healthy herself. She's losing all her friends, right? And, and I said, you know what? I think you should start eating McDonald's every day and relax. <laughs> I love that. Do you know, I, I do feel that, you know, it's interesting because we project so much onto others. I mean, it was really interesting to me for, for friends of mine that are a generation before me that would go to India and follow their gurus, you know, and now come back and say many years later, oh my God, they drank like a fish. Oh my God, they were, <laughs> they were having sex all over the place. Or, oh my God, they were doing this and doing that. Do you know, we have this image, this projection of perfection that we think that in order to be this, we have to do this. Now, I believe that one has to determine what that is for us personally, but once we start to judge it of others, then we really are holding judgment. Do you know? I mean, I love that you share that you had bread and cheese. And if you told me you had a great bottle of wine, I'd say, bravo, you know, good for you. I don't, I don't like wine, but I smoked the joint. Thank you, Alejandro, for your full transparency today. You know, we I, I like to say, let's get real, okay? Let's get real, let's keep it authentic. So, you know, again, we must watch our own tendencies to become extreme, you know, whatever that is, whether that's like you said, this friend who is uber, you know, vigilant and maybe militant about being healthy to the exclusion of- And, mis and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> miserable, yeah, exactly right. So, do you know, I love the fact that I said to my kids yesterday, they were here for Father's Day, life is this beautiful smorgasbord. It's this beautiful, we have this array of choices. Let's make wise ones, but certain things do not have to be to the exclusion of other things. You know, we're alive, we wanna be passionate. We wanna be able to 
try things and do things with a mindful awareness of what we're doing. Or just like Anthony Bourdain, who said, your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> and so he did. I, boy, I could talk to you forever. And I'm seeing that the clock is moving quickly. And I love Anthony Bourdain. Um, I'm sorry that he decided to, you know, check out and go somewhere else. But that's, you know, his prerogative. But I would be fascinated about what he would eat. When he would eat that street food, I'd be like in front of the TV, fascinated and getting a vicarious thrill of like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be able to do what he's doing because he's fearless, you know, even though maybe he was absolutely destroying his gut. I don't know, you know, but he was passionate. So to his passion. My next question for you, Alejandro, is that I think of your clean program as a type of micro macro detox and that by detoxing ourselves, we are actually helping to detox the planet. Tell us why we need the clean program that you've so brilliantly come up with now more than ever. I do believe it's a inner journey that connects us to the collective of the outer journey. And again, to go back to what detox means, I think it means the purification on many levels. In, in Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years, um, Ayurvedic medicine has been talking about Ama. Ama is the collective name of all toxic manifestations, be it, be it in the body, in the mind, or in the spirit. So they don't even make a distinction between the toxicity of the body, the mind, and the spirit. And they say that each one attracts the other. So for example, if you're eating crap, then you're going to attract or produce or generate um, negative feelings, negative emotions, negative thoughts, right? And, and, uh, and if you're thinking negative thoughts and feeling negative feelings, you're going to be more attracted and end up eating more crap. So, so um, ama is also something that generates a response from the body. And the body starts producing more mucus and phlegm, right? So when you, when you are in the accumulation of ama mode, your body will... Um, respond accordingly. So anything that you can do to reduce ama, to reduce toxicity, will affect the other aspects. So for example, if you are going to create the conditions for your detoxification system in the body to work more effectively by reducing the workload of the digestive system, providing all the nutrients needed for detoxification and, and other functions, um, uh, when you start improving the conditions of the of the intestinal flora and the intestinal lining that go, are going to you you are also going to more effectively shift your thoughts into more uh, and I'm not saying positive and negative but in, into more beneficial thoughts and more beneficial uh, feelings right and emotions. So, so they, go, they go together. Now, why do we need it at this time? Because at this time, we, are, um, we, have, we, have, we are in a, in, a very, uh, in a very difficult moment. I'll tell you why. Because the lifestyle that we created, which is, com which is completely unnatural, has left us with a detoxification system principally that is very taxed and weakened mm -hmm. at the same time the toxicity levels are increasing and increasing and increasing be it the toxicity of the of, of the chemicals that we are exposed to of the fears that we're exposed to of the ideologies that we're exposed to you turn on the news and it's like a and it's like a dumping of 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 toxic material into your consciousness, right? Mm. So the toxicity is going up, but our detoxification system is going down. So this is the problem, right? Mm. And and this is where in this junction we are experiencing this this million ways in which toxicity expresses itself, and and um, and there's a lot of things that you can do on your daily life in order to reduce the toxicity that you're exposed to and increase 
the effectiveness of your detoxification system. Mm. And, and that has to do with the products that you buy, with the with the cosmetics that you buy, with the you know the air that you're breathing. That, that you have something to do inside your house with filters. The waters, the water that you're drinking and showering with the same thing. There's things that you can do. The the you know the everything in your in your in your household can be upgraded to less toxicity. The paints in your walls, the carpets in your floors. The, the, the furniture that you, everything right but mostly the foods that you eat so when you reduce the toxicity that you're exposed to and then you do certain things to support and enhance your detoxification ability it's unbelievable how many problems start improving and completely disappearing because the body is trying all the time what you're doing is you're supporting the body to do what it already knows what to do Right. I, you know, I say, I say, even with mindfulness, you know, the practice of being present, I, and I also wrote a book on, uh, called Says Who, which is a uh, technique, a method for um, transforming negative and fear-based thoughts. And I've always tell people, feel the difference in your body. If you're going to say something like, um, I'm a terrible person, <laughs> what does that feel like in your body? But if you tell yourself, I'm, you know, actually, I'm a pretty good person. How does that feel in your body? You can feel a distinct difference by putting the thoughts that we harbor in our mind, the foods that we put in our body, feel the difference, try it out, see how you feel. You know, that's, that's really what I ask people to do is just try it and see the difference in how you feel. It's significant. Do you know, you just have to be willing to try. That's really the, the point that people have to come to, to try these new ways of being, if you will. Alejandra, you, you talk about science and technology advancing in giant leaps and say that we have broken the genetic code, invented nanotechnology, and have even created robots that perform surgery. And now there's a lot of talk about AI, artificial intelligence microchips and all sorts of things that sound so futuristic and also I might add a little bit scary as far as how far can this go? How do you feel that this advancing technology affects medicine and where it's heading into the future? Well, not only medicine again, it affects everything, right? So, so the, 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 the way I see it is, is so much distraction so much more for the monkey mind to to so many more branches for the monkey mind to go jumping <laughs> and or or so many more bones to the to the to, for the dog to chew which is really what the mind is compared to you know you throw it a, a problem like you throw the a bone to a dog and your mind your mind will go and chew on it until until it's solved you know so right. so so these are great things but if done in parallel to us as a species also working on waking up on 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 being present on on respecting the laws of nature then then that, that, great you know but i mean i, I, I yeah and, and as you say there, there's the danger of what you can do with them right so so when when these technologies are in the hands of of people that are not awoke that are not a conscious, then they become incredibly dangerous, dangerous like, like the atomic bomb and like many, so many other things. Right, exactly. That's why I feel that to understand why raising our own consciousness is so important as we begin to put more of this technology out into the universe. It's the, mo it's the most important. I'm, I'm now, after 56 years of, of, you know, pondering about these things and witnessing people sick and getting better and, and myself getting sick and getting better and then getting sick again and getting better again, um, I've come to the conclusion that the most important thing is really to raise consciousness and to become present. Exactly. Because because when you are when you are conscious and becoming pre and become fully fully present, some of these problems that we're suffering with correct by themselves. Even if you don't provide what is lacking, you know. I was discussing this with the father of functional medicine. There's a there's a there's a. I posted it. I posted brief moments of the conversation with him um, on on my Instagram, and the whole interview is on 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 my YouTube page. 
and and I and I talk about this, and I talk about the ability, the, the, the abilities that the body have that we don't even know about. Like for example, transmutation. If you're lacking calcium, the body has, according to certain spiritual masters, has the ability to change another molecule into calcium and transmute it because there's a power of alchemy alchemy in in the body that can that can change uh, anything into gold into you know that can yeah, change mo yeah, molecules around yeah. but that comes but that comes at higher levels of consciousness right exactly you know i've just uh, i've written my third book which will come out uh the beginning of next year called mindfulness and mysticism and I really went down a very interesting rabbit hole of understanding, you know, the chemicals in the brain. You know, I, I've been very fascinated by neuroscience. I'm not a neuroscientist, um, but I'm a, I'm a pursuer of the sacred truths of the universe. I am that. And the understanding of the chemicals that our own brains can produce, you know, in that the, the levels of the dopamine levels, the serotonin levels, the ways in which, you know, we can actually feel exalted and we can feel ecstasy and we can feel euphoric without needing to depend on things like drugs to feel that. Do you know? I think there will be a time where we will be able to just turn it on, do you know, if or when we want to. Now, we can literally look at a sunrise or a sunset and experience a feeling of euphoria. Do you know, we can, we can have these transcendental moments all the time, you know, can we be living in a state of bliss 24 seven? Maybe, you know, I don't know, you know, but be able, but I think we'll be able to use our bodies in our, the entire um, organism, if you will, to, to experience transformation, to experience higher levels of consciousness, to experience types of euphoria, bliss and ecstasy so that we do not have to rely again on external dependencies, if you will. Do you know, I'm, I'm amazed at where we're heading with that. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Yes, yes. When, when all scientists get enlightened, then, then it, the, the, the things that we're going to invent are even more incredible. <laughs> mind-blowing, right? It's going to be mind-blowing. Alejandro, the time is moving so fast, too fast. Let's talk about cancer. You say in clean that cancer cells are cells that forget to do their chemistry, which is something you also said when you questioned your illness as a young intern and found yourself asking, how and why did my brain cells forget their chemistry? You went on an extensive healing journey to rid yourself of the toxins that were harming your mind and your body and were successful at restoring your health. And that's what your book Clean teaches us to do. Do you believe that we need to discover a cure for cancer or that we have the cure for cancer within us? Cancer would disappear when, when, when humans live according to how nature designed it to live. It designed us to live, you know. It, it, cancer is 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 a, a, a you know a way in which cells that are that are a, misbehaving can continue to misbehave because so many other rules are broken. Um, that that's really how I think of it. So, do you feel that you know? I know it's 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 it's. I don't want to say complicated, but I know, you know, I, sometimes people say, oh, it's the 21st century. How do we not have a cure for cancer? Do you know? And you as a doctor, I know there's no easy answer for that. But I also know that, you know, um, there have been miraculous healings of cancer. And that, again, going back to the natural stasis of the body to heal itself. Um, do you think we're living a time where the ways in which we we understand something like cancer will be very different than it is today? The thing is that, that it doesn't matter if a few people understand it better. Um, I don't think that the solution is going to come from some chemical or some you know, radiation or some surgery. Or it, it, it's, much, it's much bigger and much, much simpler than that in a way. You know, it's, a, it's, it's really the way that we live that is so separate from from nature that 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 leads to ourselves to rebel or to go crazy or, 
whatever, however you want to think about it. There's, there is not too much cancer outside in the natural world. Animals don't get cancer in the wild. Yeah, maybe they do because they also are exposed to to some toxicity and or and maybe there's there's a way in which nature itself can make a mistake through 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 certain kinds of radiation and 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 you know but but it's so rare in the in the natural world but, and it's so common in the in this unnatural world that we are living in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so yeah, the, I think that 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 it, you know it's a lifestyle disease just like COVID-19 is because if you see what's happening and who's being affected it's people with pre-existing conditions. Right and that doesn't seem to be talked about as much as I feel it could be. I think that that could be you know talked about more than than it has. I think it would ameliorate a lot of the fear that people feel. I mean it's put us in a very heightened state of fear and I think that you know we were not really acknowledging occasionally I believe it said on the news that this person had a pre-existing condition. Not to say that maybe perhaps somebody or people have gotten it that didn't have underlying health. Or maybe, or, may, or maybe we just didn't didn't discover the, the pre-existing condition in time with, you know, of the right. people that, that have it. You know, right? Because I, you know, I saw I saw this picture of this guy that was like you looked at him. He looked like you know. I saw that of the guy that was extremely buffed and well. And, it, you know. and everybody would say, "Oh my God, he's so healthy, right?" But he got corona and it almost devastated him. And 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 um, and so the idea that we have of what is healthy is not really accurate. Exactly. In clean, you talk about where toxins are located. Can you give our listeners a condensed version because we're we're really almost closing the hour here, if you will, about the four skins, which you describe as four layers separating our inner chemistry from the rest of the universe, as if we have four skins. Tell us a little bit about that. So the first skin is this one, the one that we all talk about as a skin, right? And this and this skin is exposed to the detergents which with which I wash this T-shirt, you know, the 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 off-gassing chemicals from fire retardants in your mattress, the cosmetics that you use, the the food that you eat, because this skin, this skin, when it comes here in the mouth, it turns in, and it turns into your inner lining, your inner skin. So the so the intestine is also a, a covered by skin, right? So all the foods that you eat also gonna come through absorbing them through your inner skin or intestinal lining right so that's your first skin your second skin is is a is really the clothes that you use the 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 sheets the the everything that is that you put in contact with with your you know all the clothing that you use is Mm -hmm. that is your second skin your third skin is your home right and every every source of toxicity in your home is going to come in, right through through also uh, into into your bloodstream. That's your third skin. So first skin is this, second skin is this, third skin is your home. That's actually a huge source of toxicity, because everything I I can go room by room in your house and tell you where the toxins can be from your kitchen and your fridge to your laundry room to your living room to your bathroom where your cosmetics are right and then and then the fourth skin is is the atmosphere is is the planet the planet's atmosphere right and that is pretty polluted right so so um and i don't know if you if you if you um saw the harvard study and other studies that 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 show that the worst cases of coronavirus are in in heavily polluted uh, air cities, right? So so it's all correlated. Um, makes sense. That, you know, makes sense. It makes you wonder why there are these hot spots. Do you know yeah. there have yeah. been there have been what seems like hot spot areas? Yeah. Do you know? Um, there's so much more. I'm gonna I'm gonna wind it down. I wanted to talk to you about quantum toxins, and you know, I think we talked a little bit about that. That it, that it, toxicity is not limited to the realm of just food and chemicals. One, we have to look at things like you know, toxic thoughts, toxic relationships, the undercurrent of anxiety that you write about that is almost an automatic byproduct of making it into the modern world. 
um, so that there's other toxins other than just what we're ingesting. And as you describe with the four skins, there's many, many areas of toxins. But I'm gonna have to go to my final question to you, unfortunately. And the final question is, as someone myself who follows the wisdom of Buddha's teachings, you talk about your friend, Professor Robert Thurman, who teaches Tibetan Buddhism and his story of the Buddhist wheel of life. Without going into the whole story, the essence of what you shared is that real health comes from the path of detoxification, the removal of the poisons by wisdom, insight into the true nature of reality. I'm just paraphrasing from your book, the experience of the self being one with the universe, filled with energy and bliss, not needing to be greedy, not fearing or hating anyone, but being joyfully compassionate to all, seen as ultimately the same as oneself and beautiful in the relative difference, just as one sees one's beloved child or lover or good friend. This you write is the true health of enlightenment. Tell me Alejandro, how do you see this true health of enlightenment? You know, when you, when you, when you read that, for a, when you read that, for a lot of people, it may sound very poetic and very and very nice and and altruistic or, or you know or wise. You know, these these are words that come from Tibetan uh, masters' wisdom, right? But but I, I know I'll tell you about an ex an, uh, an experience that I had once when I met such a such a master, and and she basically slapped me on the chest, and she put me in a state in which everything that you were reading was actually my experience in which in which right now you're having an experience of you sitting in your home watching through your eyes you know you, you feel the chair you're inside this this separate uh, container you're you're looking through this container yeah in a minute um, you, you're looking through your eyes, right? You're listening from the outside, right? Well, the experience that I had when she slapped me on the chest, that whole experience dissolved. And it's very difficult for me to explain. I was, I was everything. Mm -hmm. I was seeing everything from everywhere. Mm -hmm. I was feeling everything and everybody. There was no present, past and future. That, that I experienced that state for just a few minutes, I think. I don't even remember because when I was experiencing it seemed eternal, right? But, but, um, but that is actually what people need to understand that, that, that uh, one can live in a state or at least go in and out of the state uh, constantly in which all these things that you, that you read of us being one with everything are not just an idea, right. but really an experience. Right. And it's not an intellectual concept. And that I was trying to explain to my boys yesterday at a time when there's a lot of fervor and there's a lot of there's a lot of expressions of things that that especially the young generation that they want to they want to see things change. And when I see the perpetuation of separateness, it's an illusion because we are one. There is no separation. You know, this is all illusionary. It's Maya. You know, so how do you have people experience the oneness that you have felt and I have felt those divine moments that there is non-separation, it's unity consciousness that we are, it is a state of oneness. You know, can we walk around 24-7 feeling that way? Maybe not because we're in the body and, you know, as Pierre Tellard de Chardin says, we are you know, spiritual beings having a human experience. So we go in, we go out, we go in, we go out. But the understanding of these teachings, let's leave it with this, that what is your vision, Alejandra, if you can just say it in whatever way in which you choose, that this true health of enlightenment will be the consciousness that will take us into the days of ahead and help us build this new world that needs our help at this time? Well, what I think is that, that um, um, we, can, we can push and accelerate, I mean, some, some people with, with charisma and influence or, 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 um, or, or great presence 
can drive others into it, right? But at this time uh, on the planet, there's very few of these people <laughs> that really are fully, fully, fully present and they're teaching others to become fully, fully present. And, and uh, but eventually it will happen because we are in evolution and we've been there before. We've been, we've been, uh, we've existed at, at times where consciousness was, was more evolved and then we went out of it and then and now we're starting to go into it and now what we are perceiving as the breaking down of everything is what the caterpillar would be perceiving inside the cocoon right if the caterpillar in the cocoon doesn't see that in uh, in a few days it will be flying uh, in the sky. <laughs> right. Everything is melting, right? Everything is being destroyed by enzymes, and this transformation is probably even painful. That's what we're going through now. Right. So 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 it'll it'll come a time where where I think humanity would evolve unless we destroyed before it's time. Yes. Alejandro, on that note, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today and for sharing the sacred wisdom with our listeners today. I so appreciate you and the work that you do. For those of you that are listening, um, please do yourself a favor. Pick up these are gems. There are a variety of, of Alejandro's books to get. I just myself picked up Clean 7. I'm excited to do the deep dive into this. I'm very excited, you know, being home, I'm, I'm wanting to change it up and do a whole different sort of regiment, if you will. So I'm going to, I'm excited to try that. Thank you all of those of you who are here with Dr. Alejandro Younger and myself today. I hope that this has helped shine some light on your journey so that you can realize how to raise your awareness about your own well being and your own health. And again, I highly recommend you uh, checking out Dr. Junger's books. They are true gifts for transformation. And until next time, from my heart to yours. <laughs>